The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. My name is Tyler Borland, and with me always is Danny Vincent. That's right. I'm Danny Vincent. And this week, we discuss the TLJ that Tyler likes. Yep, it's Men in Black's 25th anniversary. And we're going to look back on the film that made Will Smith, well, partially made Will Smith a star and... Help Tommy Lee Jones get another franchise after he won his Oscar. So, I know a lot of people, when we said we're going to cover this for, like, they texted me and they're like, why are you covering this? That That's barely Marvel. Well, I'll have you know that the opening credits of the movie, I outright call it a Marvel Comics, uh, yep. based off the Marvel Comics. Um, but, do you want to explain anything, Tyler? Um, I just know that the... The Men in Black comic was by uh, Lowell or Lowell. I, I don't know. I've, I've seen it pronounced both ways. heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, Cunningham. I know that much. And that's about as far as my comic extent goes. Well, um, if you vamp for a little bit, I can well, look well, up well, more I, have, I, I know some stuff. I know some stuff. Okay. Uh, okay it was cool. actually made originally by Malibu Comics, which was founded in 1986. But then it was bought in 1994, which, you know means that it wasn't really around that long. Uh, yeah. So Marvel was uh, bought them. I actually don't remember exactly why, because Caleb told me when I told him we were covering it. And, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Wiki actually tells us. Uh, Marvel apparently want, Malibu claimed that Marvel wanted them because of their own digital coloring system. Uh, however, you know, Men in Black was kind of a big deal. When it came to the movies, this was a pretty big hit, even though it weirdly took forever for sequels to get made. Maybe that's the yeah. 90s, but it took five years for Men in Black 2 to come out. And then another 10 years after Men in Black 2 for Men in Black 3 to happen, which is weird because all of them are pretty successful. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just hard to lock Will Smith down. That's really probably it, honestly. You know? Yeah. Well, I know I know that he he went through quite a quite a lot of films um, that he was in in the 90s. Um, and not all of them the greatest, you know, Wild Wild West um, is one one of them. So, yeah, well, you know, this was a what was I going to say? This is a, a Will Smith, you know, famously did Wild Wild West instead of The Matrix. But I ultimately think that's a good thing because I really I think Neo being kind of a dork like Keanu is at this time. Yeah. Like, that's why that movie works. But for this movie, I think the combination of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones is really brilliant. Uh, and I was saying to you before we recorded that it's interesting that um, Will was not their first choice. Um, it was only cast because Barry Sonnenfeld, the director, his wife was a fan of Fresh Prince. Um, that's how he got the audition. However, they originally offered the Chris O'Donnell who famously played Robin and Batman forever and Batman and Robin. And then they offered it to David Schwimmer. So kind of crazy. I'm so glad David Schwimmer did not get hey, it. Hey, but then it would be like, I'm watching a very young Adam driver in the nineties. <laughs> mm. I, I don't think the energy would fit uh, the role at all. No, uh, no, I don't, th- I don't think so. I will also say Tommy Lee Jones was not the first choice either. Uh, Clint Eastwood was offered at first and turned it down. That I could see, even though I think Tommy Lee Jones has a lot of energy to it. So we could have possibly got a Clint Eastwood and David Schwimmer yeah. buddy cop film. I mean, I don't want to narrow this down to being a buddy cop film, but just to uh, summarize, yeah, that would have would have been something. Since we're talking about roles that were turned down, um, Edgar. D'Onofrio was the third choice, 
John Turturro and Bruce Campbell were offered it and had to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts. You know, I honestly, I honestly I think those thought, both fit. I think those both I, would do a I, good job. I think so too. I honestly <laughs> thought, I honestly thought while watching this film, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think he's in this, but I really want Bruce Campbell in this. I, I don't know why I yeah. really want him in this. That, yeah. Yeah, I could also, I feel like John, Tony Shalhoub and John Turturro have very uh, similar vibes to me. Yeah. So that's why I was like, ah, oh, John Turturro would fit right in too. But anyway, enough about talking about what it could have been. Because Men in Black was what it was, and it was a huge hit. No, but yeah, they didn't want Will Smith because um, Independence Day hadn't, mm. you know been a big deal yet so they didn't know if he was a movie star yet he was just the tv star right um because they even this came out a year after uh independence day it filmed obviously before then but well tv star and i believe he was doing music at that time too but also you know that transition from music business over to over to the film business doesn't always translate that well I wasn't around in the 90s, but like, isn't that kind of like, you know, Miley Cyrus is a star when she's on Hannah Montana, but is she going to actually be a star when Hannah Montana's done? We don't know. Right. Just saying. Like, yeah. although she is, so it's kind of irrelevant. But anyway, <laughs> um, but what I was going to say, well, you know what? Let's just move on to the movie because we can talk about, uh, there's a lot of interesting details we can talk about with this film, but we should probably give our general thoughts on it first. Okay. Um, I, I was honestly surprised. I was honestly surprised, uh, at how, how much I liked this film and not, I don't know. I, I was afraid that there was going to be the, having grown up watching, um, eighties and nineties films as a, as a kid, I was afraid that I was going to get a little bit of like some bias with that. And the you know in retrospect I'm like oh yeah that was that was great and then I watch it again and I'm like oh this is so cringe, um, but definitely not no I was rather surprised and very much enjoyed um, the whole like the whole time watching this uh, the that very first uh, scene just I don't know this actually had this actually had like an opening credits love you know, it. Love and, movies of opening. I, love nineties movies. Yeah, of and I, I love, I loved it. And I usually, I usually, usually that's the time. And I know this is a, this is a cinema sin on my part. But uh, that usually at that time, that's like when I'm getting popcorn ready, or you know, just getting well, ready to watch the movie. I think but, that is the intent of it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, that's always why movies have those openings, so that way, if you arrived late to the theater, you didn't miss anything. You know. Right. I mean, it's it it's and that stems all the way back from like stage theater. Yeah. You know, is why overtures. they would have the big overtures. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, so. So, yeah, it it was something it was it was a nice little treat. And uh, I was like, who did this music? Because right off the bat, the music. It's Oscar nominated. It, music is yes, Oscar nominated. And it's it's drum roll, please. The one and only Danny Elfman. I, I mean, who who else should I have expected for the? Uh, it's incredibly Danny Elfman yeah. too. It sounds yeah, exciting. it is exactly yeah yeah very yeah. uh burden esque in a sense, which makes sense because I believe so. Barry Sonnenfeld was the Coen Brothers cinematographer until he became his own director, and the thing that he directed most famously, uh, I feel like besides Men in Black. Yeah, his first film was The Adams Family, uh, The Adams Family movies, which are not actually done by Danny Elfman, but, you know, are also very Tim Burton. Like, people always think Tim Burton directed them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he knows that Tim Burton-esque vibe pretty well. Uh, I'm trying to see. And this was his first time working with uh, Danny Elfman, Barry Sonnenfeld. So it's mm. pretty, oh, you want Barry Sonnenfeld's next movie after this, though, was? What's that? We've already mentioned on this podcast. Uh oh. Wild Wild I say, West. Uh-oh. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh. Well now I assume that's now why that, that explains why it took That's so why Will, Will Smith <laughs> moved over there with him. But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you don't want to take a risk on the Wachowskis when the guy who did Men in Black is doing something new. 
But anyway, you know, we also directed, a, I believe, the Series Unfortunate Events show on Netflix, which I've been meaning to watch mm. for years. I, I don't think I ever will watch it because the discourse is kind of a past it. Gotcha. But yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, we we had this was distributed by uh, Sony Pictures. Um, and the yeah, it was like run under their Columbia Pictures um, banner. But uh, Danny and I, we had talked about actually like we were like I, I asked him, I said, where's the streaming? Because I figured I figured that most likely like HBO, I was like HBO Max. Has, I was has surprised have this or something. Yeah, it seemed. Like- yeah. It seemed like it would be a movie they would they would go for to have on their uh, thing or like stars. I was surprised it wasn't even on stars or something. Um and surprisingly, I like you have to rent all three of the original uh, Men in Blacks. I don't know about Men in Black International, which we will um, not be covering for <laughs> one. It doesn't have an anniversary this year. And two, it's just like I'm sure we'll get to it maybe someday. But I really maybe don't have when, a desire to like maybe when we're missing Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson enough. Yeah. But yeah. I don't want to like get unexcited for Thor Love and Thunder by watching Men in Black International. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, we we had actually uh we had we had discussed that how like we were just surprised that it wasn't really streaming anywhere. Um I I don't know about you Danny, I rented it on Prime. I went to the library. I went to the oh library. yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. I might have to rent 3 because inexplicably the library has 15 copies of Men in Black 1. There's 16 copies of Men in Black 2. And there's one copy in the entire Chicago Public Library system of Men in Black 3. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> it's an anomaly. It needs to be investigated, Danny. This can become an investigative <laughs> podcast until the next thing releases on Disney+. Plus. It's a uh, true crime podcast now. Uh, the true crime <laughs> podcast is what's releasing on Disney+, Plus on March 11th. But we'll talk about that at another time. Uh, um Uh, yeah (laughs) i i did get it in uh well i got it in 4k and i i i use air quotes here because i'm like how how did this film get a 4k release like in that scale i guess would not be surprised if there's a 4k release of this though it's a pretty popular movie there is it's on it's on prime i i rented it um and it was like it looks it looked good i it it holds up that's one thing about this film is like i think the blend of the of the animatronics and the like the practical um props and makeup makeup it won makeup at the oscars and it oh it, it won. and uh and like that combined with the CGI like they use CGI when they had to and like i think i don't know but uh but yeah i just i just think that it was it was done really really well and it hold it holds up uh yeah so 25 years later first i do want to give credit to a certain someone that we forgot to give credit to which is Lowell Canning- Cunningham did write it but Sandy Caruthers uh, was the artist on it, and you know that's they, right that they, they yes. uh, both created it together. So, but anyway, Men in Black, I really like it. Issue is, it is one of those movies I've seen so much that I just really like. You know, it's a movie I like, but I always lose interest in it just because of how familiar I am with it. I also do mm-hmm. legitimately think that once it becomes like you know the big action thing at the end, I'm just kind of like, this isn't why I'm watching the movie, you know. I'm watching it because it's fun to watch Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones investigate stuff together. Uh, So when it becomes a big action set piece at the end where they're trying to save this girl that he barely knows, I'm always just kind of like, all right, let's just wrap up. And of course, the worst part of it is that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio becomes CGI or like, you know, a giant Mm -hmm. puppet. So it's just like that charisma is gone. So it's just kind of like, yeah, I've never really like the ending. Always I lose interest in and it's not really the fault of the ending. It's pretty short and like it gets the job done it just isn't like what i really like in this movie mm-hmm. so and then because of that you know you leave me sour on the ending and there's no reason i don't like the ending too which we'll get into it when we really do our deep dive because it's something i want to talk about um that i've never liked and that also sours me on the movie a bit but not enough for me not to be like no this is like actually like a really good blockbuster 
I wish there were movies like Men in Black coming out and being big deals still. Yeah. Like air quotes original properties that just use two big stars to really anchor it. I'd say the last one that was like this was, and well, I want to talk about, I'll, I want to put a pin in this particular talk until we talk about Men in Black 3. But the other mm-hmm. one I'd say that's the most recent like blockbuster that's like this is 21 Jump Street, uh, the Jump Street movies. Since, yeah. Besides the Jump Street movies, I can't think of another movie series that is like two people in the lead. It's just fun. I wish White House Down had been it. That's my hot take. I wish, <laughs> I, I wish White House Down had become a series. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's really fun. I've, I've seen it. Yeah. I like it more than Olympus Has Fallen. I've not seen Olympus Has Fallen but uh, I liked I liked White House Down, even though like I while I was watching it, I was like, "This is Die Hard. This is pretty much Die but Hard." It's Channing but Channing Tatum okay and Jamie Foxx, and Jamie Foxx is yeah. just playing Obama. Like it's literally all he's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's he's true. playing action Obama, and it's like, all right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the the top, um, the top five. Uh, no, I'm going to go with top 10. There's a reason. Uh, top 10 blockbuster releases for a domestic box office for 1997. Um, at number one is Men in Black. Really? Um, this it, was number one? Yeah, this was number one domestic box office for 1997. Yeah. No, it wasn't. With, no way. With total gross 250. No. Yeah. What are you looking okay. at? Are you on Box Office Mojo? Where are you at? Maybe I. Well, am. I know why yeah. you're wrong. Is I that... know you're wrong because that's the year Titanic came out. So that's how I know you're wrong. Oh, well, no, it's it, this is oh, because that's saying total gross. This is domestic gross. Hold this on, this isn't international. No, no, we're going to no, no, no. Are you on a uh, box office mojo? Because they've updated their site to be annoying. Yes. So they only give you this is so stupid. I'll tell you why it doesn't work. They only give you the calendar, uh, the calendar gross, as in. The amount of money made up until December 31st, 1997. Why anyone today would ask for that money? That that number is stupid. So when you go to the in-year releases, it Men in Black comes in at number two, behind, of course, Titanic. Titanic, which yeah, totally course. blew it out of the water. Whereas I'm not Titanic even going at, down this road. By December 31st, uh, Titanic had only made $112 million coming at number seven so but yeah sorry i just had to correct you because obviously like i'm like i know titanic is this year (laughs) i'm I'm totally fine and that totally makes sense like if i would have if i would have seen titanic i would have been like well duh uh lost world jurassic park also came out that wasn't wasn't uh i i'm still i i'm still a fan of it if i'm gonna watch any jurassic park sequel it'll be that one i'm (laughs) <laughs> that's I would watch yeah. one, there's one sequence in it I like one gotcha then I said the next um, one's liar liar that's a solid Jim Carrey movie yeah tomorrow never dies James Bond Air I think Force it's interesting one. that uh yeah, Air Force One is good good movie <laughs> I like Air Force One <laughs> I've I've actually not seen it I, I oh it's good and good will hunting's here I think the most interesting thing in the top 10 is that number eight is um the re-release of a new hope that they yeah. did to build hype for Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's like, that's cool because it's, a, it's cool to see a re-release be that high. Number 11, though, is Face Off. That's a good movie. That's a very Men in Black-esque movie. You know, like, it's just two big stars playing off of each Travolta other. Travolta and Cage. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. John Woo directed that one. Yeah, I need to... Actually, trace off. I, I need to. Uh, I've I've caught half of it on TV, so I'm like, oh yeah, gotcha. I've seen it definitely. Hey, but, George the Jungle came out that. Yeah, uh, good year. Hey, year. yeah. You know who else came out that year? My younger brother. Lover. My younger oh. brother came out on August first. The uh, superhero <laughs> classic Batman and Robin. Go to DC. <laughs> Marvel uh, wins this year, no. I guess. Mar- yeah, <laughs> Hercules, the animated Hercules, came out. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, let's I get back to Men in Black. Like that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So, obviously, Will Smith, incredible here. Yeah, really one of his best blockbuster roles, if not his best blockbuster role. Maybe Bad Boys is better. 
Bad Boys 2. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I've, I've got to see those. So <laughs> I should give you Bad Boys 2 someday for the green room. Not because it's good, but because um, the way I would describe Bad Boys 2, just so um, the audience knows, the Men in Black episodes we're doing are probably going to be way more tan- tangenty than our normal ones because we like talking about Men in Black, and we will, but these are popcorn movies that kind of exist for you to go out on tangents on, you know? Like, I don't want to be like, there's nothing here for us to discuss because there is, but I think we can ch- afford to chase tangents on these because yeah, yeah, it's men in black. Everyone, yeah. you've ever seen these movies or you haven't, and it's not like these are ever going to be relevant to Marvel, uh, the current Marvel cinematic universe. Also, I'm pretty sure that you can uh, just flip through TV channels and you'll find men in black. One of these playing on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, bad boys too. Uh, incredible film. <laughs> Bad Boys is Michael Bay's first film, so it doesn't really feel like his film at all. Whew. Bad Boys one, uh, well, bad no no. Sorry. Bad Boys two is after he's established his style, uh, and Will Smith said, "Well, I don't know if this is actually what happened, but this is always what I've said." Will Smith said, "I'll only do the movie if you give Michael Bay final cut." Uh, and it is one of the most perverse studio films I've ever seen. Uh, there's a scene where you see rats having sex. There is a scene. I mean, the third sounds like something that Michael Bay would. The third do, act is they but. invade Cuba and just run over how hobbles. <laughs> it's like such a bizarrely like fascinating. Like we're gonna give this man so much money to make whatever he wants, and Michael Bay is like, I am gonna make whatever I want, and in a sense, I have to respect it. Like, like it, it's kind of like the Snyder cut in a way. I just have to respect yeah. that it was made. <laughs> <laughs> it's also uh, two and a half hours long when the first Bad Boys is like 90 minutes or 100 minutes. So being two and a half hours long, it's just like, why? Why is this so long? But anyway, what do you want to talk about with this movie? Because I know what I, I want to talk about. The only thing I want to talk about is the ending, but we shouldn't start with the end. I don't know. Cause uh, I've uh, like it's Men in Black. Yeah, um, I I really like that uh, the the intro intro to the movie. Not only you know the opening credits, but what I'm saying is that first scene that we have, um, because we don't like we don't start with the characters right away. You know, the one of our characters arrives. Um, he and you know enters the scene um a few minutes in and uh just in those first like 5 minutes Tommy Lee Jones just establishes who he is as a character you know and uh just right then and there just everything that he that he is uh just uh cut pretty dry um i'd say and uh and I don't know. That's that's really it's it's appreciated. He's he's a really cut and dry character, but he's also I don't know. There's also a screen to him, you know. There, to Tommy like, Lee Jones. Yeah, to Tommy to to Agent K. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and I think like you get everything that you need. The storytelling's really done really well in this in this film, and uh, and you get yeah. everything that you need. Um for agent k like not necessarily everything that you need but everything you need to start with for this introduction to the character you get it all within those those first few minutes um yeah what did what did you think what do you think about like the alien reveal uh well i think it's beginning i think it's a little interesting um if just because it feels somewhat and this isn't really obviously the movie's fault uh it feels, although I have to imagine it might have felt a bit, it feels a little politically charged, which I think is interesting because the rest of the movie yeah. absolutely does not at all ever feel like that. Um, yeah. Like, it's a very uh, apolitical movie, all things considered. But then the opening is like, these people crossing the border, they're innocent. Let's go after the actual aliens. And I kind of like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but it also just feels very out of place to me always. But it's not like a negative yeah. thing, you know. Like I, yeah, I don't I like, think it's, I like the, I like the redirect the redirect with it. Yeah, 
I think it's clever. I also always forget like like how it all plays out. So it's all, that's mm-hmm. the other thing too. It's like you know, it's just so like bizarrely like rooted in a real world compared to everything else here. That yeah, it um, you know, it works. Uh, it sticks out, and I also don't ever remember it. So when it all plays out, I'm always like, oh yeah, that's how this scene works. And that's again why why I kind of like the beginning of this movie where it's introducing all its concepts because it's never doesn't really ever feel like exposition. It's always like really clever sequences. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ways to really build out its world. Um, like to jump ahead a bit. I think the scene where they meet the people who are running out of town because they don't have a visa to leave Manhattan. I think that scene mm-hmm. is a good way of setting up like, yeah, these aliens aren't bad people. They just kind of have to live here. Some of them do. You know, yeah, yeah, because every ever yeah. I feel like every ever alien you meet in this movie is generally like kind of a jerk, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. But that guy's just kind of like my wife's pregnant. Please leave me alone. And I like that. I just think uh, I also just think the script here is just so clever, with the exception of some aspects which I'll get into. But mm-hmm. just I always think it's like whenever they you know the first time you see it, you're surprised, but whenever it's like. Orion's belt, you're like, oh yeah, that's so like clever because Ar- mm-hmm. Orion's belt is like a thing you know you hear about in science class, yeah, uh, and it's also like it's right in front of your eyes because you know the first time you hear it, you're like, oh that's a clever twist, and then literally the first shot of the cat you see it has Orion written across its yeah. collar. Yeah, I so, I noticed that this this time. Yeah, so it's it. always right in your face, which I like a lot. Yeah, you know. Yeah, what one thing I really like about that intro is like you said, like the script does a clever job of introducing, you know, like plot points and just things about this, this universe. Um, one thing I really like uh, is that the alien efforts when they, when they, you know, uh, discover who he is, he's, it's just a super calm, like he just has a super calm demeanor about him and he's just having a super calm discussion with, with those agents and it really sets the like you think that the the like the climax of the action in this scene was the van getting pulled over and the those state troopers you know uh talking to the driver of the van and uh about um about people crossing over over the border into America illegally. And uh, you think that like, that's the climax of this scene. That's the high point of the scene that we hit that beat. So now we're at a resolution for this, for this moment. And then we're going to move on. We'll introduce our characters in that resolution. Then we'll move on. But then it spikes up suddenly when that alien sees the other state trooper walk, sees the state trooper walk over the, over the hit, you know, the horizon. And then he just, just like uh, growls and just starts chasing down the state trooper. And I think like, that's a real big, it's not a jump. It's not a jump scare, but it's a really good twist. It's clever, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's also like, like, it's like, Oh, Whoa. You know, there's there's, like stuff's going down. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, to me, it it very much stands out to this thing with nineties and eighties blockbusters where, you know, these films are objectively like considered to be family friendly films. But instead of nowadays where, you know, like you watch a family movie and they'll be like, whoop, there's one joke in there just for the adults. In this case, they're like, yeah, now nah, we're going to throw in some scary stuff to scare the little kids who came. I love that always. Cause it's, yeah, it's always like, cause it's not scary ever to adults. This movie never, but like to kids, it's like, yeah, that'd be terrifying. So then you see like, this agent just stopped this guy and you're like, Oh, that's so cool as a kid. Um, yeah. Uh, in a way, and you said this to me via text too. It's very much like ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, but I like man black way more than ghostbusters. Same, same. Uh, this I actually... think ghostbusters humor is dated in a lot of areas. This is still pretty funny. A lot of mm-hmm. the time. And the only time it isn't funny is like it's nineties jokes. And even those nineties jokes pretty hold up pretty well. Yeah. I, I had said I texted something to you about like uh the I said this is like like OG Ghostbusters uh, like but it's done with a budget like the yeah. fir- like 
the first time. Like the vision is fully executed. Um and it's it's on on par. Whereas Ghostbusters is kind of like, we want to be up here, but we're not like we the I don't know, the technology or whatever isn't allowing us to get up there. But then also I think part of it's the writing on on Ghostbusters 2. Uh, not Ghostbusters 2, no, but Ghostbusters well, T-O-O. The thing two. also is that uh, Ghostbusters yeah. are so dependent on improv. This is a very yeah. tightly scripted film yeah. where I'm sure Will Smith had some improv on set, but he was also, you know, as I said, he wasn't really a big movie star yet. So he probably didn't have that much control on this one. Um, yeah. I also just think it's interesting that this movie exists and uh, Timely Jones came back for a sequel. Cause the reason I say that is Timely Jones infamously hated doing Batman Forever. This is like a very similar action comedy. The difference is, of course, on that, he's working with Jim Carrey, who always is like on everything, you know. And with yeah. this, this is a young Will Smith who's very much like, oh, yeah, I'll lead this movie. But, you know, um, he's still proving himself to be a star. Mm-hmm. Even though everyone knows he's a star. Yeah. By this point, <laughs> you know, like everyone's like, well, yeah. I also want to point out, Danny how we we know this is a marvel movie is the captain america reference yeah i did notice that they made, stick out made by also unintentional because yeah. it wasn't so, a big deal yet but like call yourself a guardian of the galaxy or something like that is in there too. yeah yeah <laughs> i don't think that one is intentional captain america is but like i don't think the guardian i think the guardian of the galaxy one is just like you know turn a phrase yeah uh, yeah it's just uh i don't know if this this to me, this exists in a uh, in the MC, in the MCU, but it's in, it's a in the multiverse uh, universe. It's in the it's multiverse in the- now. So, well, I've- as I said, when we get to Men in Black Three, we will really discuss why this franchise never continued in the current iteration, and that will have to do with multiverses, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, do we want to talk about the? Uh, Acting in this movie besides Will and uh, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. Will, I'm I assume first you wanted to talk Will. about. I, I'm assuming well, you want to talk about D'Onofrio. Him and Rip Torn are the two I really would be like. These would be good to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah. Because Rip Torn to start with, because I can talk more about D'Onofrio a lot. You know what I mean? I <clears throat> can talk a lot about D'Onofrio. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rip Torn is really a. He's really funny and deadpan in this. And it's interesting because he's like, he deadpans to Tommy Lee Jones, who is ultimate deadpan, you know? But even Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Jones is kind of a goofball in this guy's suit. Not, you know, not a total goofball. But yeah. Like, uh, Rip Torn is just very, uh, he's just great here. It's a, it's a really fun role. I've never seen two. So next week, we'll see if I'm impressed with him there. Well, um, you've never seen two. I've never seen three. He's not so. in three much at all, if he's even in it. Gotcha. I can't remember if he's in three. I remember uh, the lineup changes quite a bit for three, but it was also like yeah, he's not ten years three. at. It was like ten years Emma after. Emma Thompson replaces two. him in three. So, gotcha. Uh, but she does a good job. You'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but then D'Onofrio. Uh, really, the thing that's interesting to me about this role is that I feel like in a lot of comedy action movies, the bad guy is just evil. Sticking out of my head is the most recent Jumanji movies with The Rock, where the bad guy is just Bobby Cannavale playing a generic video game bad guy, where everyone else is being funny. From this, I do think D'Onofrio's acting is some of the funniest stuff in it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it. It's one of the reasons I laugh a lot in this. It's like when he just does really like dumb stuff with his body. And everyone's like, oh, it's just a weirdo in New York. But it's just so yep. over the top. And his voice just like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just so wonderfully stupid. But it's also like a very intricate like movement performance, too. Yeah. It's not all yeah. makeup. It's, it's, he's contorting his body in weird ways and he's keeping it stiff. It's really just like incredibly mm-hmm. impressive performance. <laughs> I w- I was I especially thought about that when he was uh he's like drive he's driving down the road, which number one, he's driving down the road, but his body's so contorted that he can't see the road. And he's like <laughs> he's like looking off to the side. Um but uh but yeah, so like 
he's like dry he's driving and then he's he's like moving his body around trying to like shift things around to uh i guess for you know for the alien to fit um in his body and it it's it's just amazing the the movement work that D'Onofrio does with like the head movements yeah just, i was gonna uh, say the head yeah. like even just his eyes just like the way his eyes yeah. will lose focus is just making me laugh at points and yeah. like like it's supposed to be like a serious scene you know where like will is um talking to the girl in the morgue and he's just on the table but it's also just like He's like, oh, she's with me now. <laughs> and it just cracks me up every time. Also, also, like, I would love to see this film. I'd love to see a cut of this film without any of D'Onofrio before that morgue scene. <laughs> like, see it all. You Let's just get a Men in Black cut from nothing but Will Smith's point of view and for him to just randomly have this guy just jump out and say she's mine now and then just jumps away like you just think about how crazy that is see it would and then but he then ran I, after him yeah alternatively that's just a movie that's entirely from his point of view and it's just a super cut of his scenes yes <laughs> but yeah no this is legitimately a movie where like it, it like you know we'll cut away from Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, who I do really like, but then it'll just cut to like Vincent Norfolk, like walking down the street. I'll be like, ah, yes, it's time for the bug. Time for Edgar. I'll <laughs> <laughs> get so excited for that. Um, uh, I, I, I do think that like, w- like with the cuts, there aren't moments. Okay, so to juxtapose this, I'm currently, I finished Daredevil, Daredevil seasons one and two. Okay. So I ended on a super high note in Daredevil season two, and now I'm watching The Defenders, which I'll tell you <laughs> that the, it's it's been a time. Um, at moments, very boring. At other moments, um, I'm laughing when I shouldn't be laughing. Um, and yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting if we ever cover that, Danny. If we ever go back and cover that, but uh. But yeah, to juxtapose that with like cutting between scenes in the Defenders compared to Men in Black. Men in Black cuts this like cuts two different characters, and it's all seamless. Like you're not it actively thinking, oh, we just changed scenes from one character to another. And like the the cinematography, the camera work, nothing like keeps you thinking you know guessing it it's just all right there it's all just natural and uh so you you go from like in the defenders you go from this just fantastic like some, this good acting from charlie cox and Kristen redder um to to iron fist which is just a crap show and and honestly i just i i laugh at it but uh you you go for like between those two and then in the in this movie like it's all just so it's all just so fluid and just good storytelling it's and it's all like an hour and like 36 30 38 minutes or something like that so yeah i mean the movie okay. just like just like the hallowed venom let there be carnage does I- it does everything it can I tell so you something gonna very exciting I read on Wikipedia? Yeah, I saw the jaw drop there. Well, earlier. there's a there's a Men in Black cartoon, which I'm sure you're yeah. aware of. Yep. Premiered three months, three or four months after this came out in theaters. Just pretty impressive turnaround. But the real reason I was excited is that there was an antagonist in the show that was Edgar's twin brother, and his name was Edwin Bug. Edwin was Edgar's brother. Also, Vincent Norfolk looks like he voiced all the bugs on the cartoon, with the exception of the queen bug, because uh, obviously he's not going to voice the queen. <laughs> yeah. Well, now oh, no, I would be going. Being like, I'm the queen. <laughs> I'm the queen pin. <laughs> um, now, you know, uh, we're going to what we're going to cover after Men in Black 3, uh, right? Yeah. And then. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know if we'll find that. I'm gonna look that up now. Anyways, well, what are you well, saying? Well, the only other thing I really want to talk about is the ending uh, that I can think of because we can start. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, 
Um, and that's also the reason why I don't think it took forever to get a sequel, which is that, um, I'll be honest. I, well, I'll talk about the romance stuff later because I'll get into that. To me, the issue with the ending is that it's supposed to be this big emotional thing that he erases, you know, what's his face? J- Tommy Lee Jones. I always forget their names. K's and J. K. Yeah. K. Yeah. Erases K's memory and lets him go back to be with the person he loved. I get that, but I don't think the movie ever really seeds that. I don't think it works to be a reveal for the audience that it's Kay's motivation. Yeah. I think it should be like at the very beginning, like because otherwise it's like, why did his other friend retire without getting a replacement? You know, like the guy who retires in the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he train a replacement? Uh, and it's just like, why weren't we like, like, why didn't she tell us this? It also puts it in a corner where, you know, this was obviously going to be huge. They were going to obviously want a sequel. But yet, the main reason it's huge and people like it is the chemistry between Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. So they write themselves into a corner for the sequel, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's rough. It's, I, I've never liked that aspect of the ending. Because like, it also feels like it's trying to be emotional when this film definitely isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not an issue with the movie. It's an action comedy. It shouldn't be really trying to be emotional and it doesn't earn the emotional stuff. So that's the reason why I've never really liked the ending of this. So yeah. it's, a, it's an air quotes happy ending, but it doesn't feel happy because this is their first movie with them. And granted, in the 90s and the 80s, things wonderfully decided that they weren't going to leave stuff for sequels. That said, I think this can still be a happy ending with, you know, Agent J being promoted to full agent and bringing on in the girl, you know, and that mm-hmm. can still be a satisfying ending. And maybe like K gets like a promotion that's like comedically not that great, but he's like, or like he gets offered a promotion. He's like, I'd rather still work with J, you know, something like that. Like yeah. that's still a happy enough ending. Uh, we don't need yeah. the big emotional payoff. Yeah, this it, it is definitely <laughs> it's definitely like a sequel payoff. Yeah. yeah. Something where you can actually build up his past more than just like him stalking her through a drone. And, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I thought this is that's how Men in Black 2 ended. And then I was kind of like, like when it started happening, I was like, oh, OK, that's this movie. Um, Yeah. So, uh <laughs> What I don't remember much of Men in Black 2 then, but yeah, I, but I've yeah. never seen it, yeah. so I don't no, remember anything from it. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's that, no, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, so Men in Black, the animated series, went for four seasons, 53 episodes, uh, 2001. 1997 oh. to 2001. Yep, that's and, a long run. It only got canceled because two was coming out, I bet. And they didn't want to consider it canon. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would have been really messy. <laughs> well, what's really messy is it says the, the continuing adventures of agents K and J as they deal with problems with extraterrestrials extraterrestri- so in New York the, City. The cartoon so, is probably the actual sequel we wanted, you know? Right. Yeah. If it's so, good, if it's any good, which I don't know. But I also think like, I, Men in Black know, probably on, fits a TV show better. Like as a concept, you know, you can, especially yeah. cartoon, you can do whatever you want in it, mm-hmm. but you don't have no budget limit. They are, uh, they're 20, about 25 minutes each. You can watch them for free on Crackle. So nice. Danny, I'm just saying. We I could. did just get a Roku. I could watch the Crackle. <laughs> we, we could be 2022's hit Men in Black. You know, there probably uh, is an audience podcast. for that. There probably is. Let's spin it off. Let's spin off the show. If there is, if there is, remember that you can contact us uh, on our Twitter mm. um, at why is with tie in one. So I'm nice little one. plug there. Yeah. yeah, you know, I do think. Yeah, I think that that'd be. You know, I've told you that before, right? My first, I've had two attempts at a podcast before this. All right, story time. Everyone, settle in. Uh, my first attempt was in college with Julius was that we were going to do a movie reviewing podcast where the joke was we just review the movies and then we'd be like, so what do you think of Batman versus Superman? Eh. And then we just like, it'd be like next week, we're going to watch this movie. Like we wouldn't even like, we would just talk about the trailers and like how they related to stuff. 
from the movie, but then we didn't do that. But then the other one I had, which is the reason I'm bringing this up, is that with Caleb, I was going to do a recap podcast of Sonic Underground, the Sonic cartoon that was on as a kid where Sonic was in a rock band, and it featured absolutely no canon Sonic characters besides Sonic oh. and Eggman. <laughs> like, everyone else in it was a new character. <laughs> Uh, which I think that would have been a pretty popular podcast too. Like, there's an audience for that stuff, like recapping old cartoons. I think that'd be funny. Men in Black's a bit long. <laughs> I don't know if I could do a full, I assume, 65 episode show, right? Uh, 53. Still long. Still way too long. <laughs> but yeah. but you, can, you can do, okay, so if if we, we cover, we we will have a green room episode where we're covering a two and a half hour movie. So you could do five episodes per podcast episode. Is what, what you what, cover. Yeah. The finale of men in black was titled. Ooh, title of the men in black TV show finale was the end game syndrome. So Avengers yeah. ripped this off. Ooh, and also I see that all these episodes are titled the something syndrome, which means the finale was really just called Endgame. Men in Black Endgame. <laughs> uh, all right, should we move on to our awards? Sure. All right. So first up, the MVP. Uh, obviously, my choice is Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, he's fantastic uh, like that's really all i can say is like he's great <laughs> uh yeah. yeah yeah he's he is he is pretty good uh when when i you were like my mvp is pretty obvious for this one and it's not one of the main two main two uh actors and i was like uh did you i guess rip torn i thought you guessed I, oh yeah I guess Rip Torn, and then you're like, no, and I'm like, it's D'Onofrio, yeah, and it's just immediately thinking of like him in this movie. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah, like definitely my uh, definitely a top, I mean, if not his best performance, being my number two after Full Metal Jacket. Like, mm, mm, I'm talking yeah. movies, obviously, uh, right? Yeah, of of him, yeah, then. of him, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's yours? Mine. Mine is Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, like I said, uh, I like him. Like him in this uh, so much better than Captain, Captain America, America the War. First Avenger. I just had the yeah. thought. I was like, was anyone in this movie in the MCU? And I was like, and then you, they just immediately click. Like, oh, yeah, Tommy yep. Lee Jones was. I always forget Tommy yeah. Lee Jones is in Captain America. And oh, I, I, yeah, I do too. But I'm, I'm, I was like, you know, honestly, when I heard Tommy Lee Jones was going to be in the First Avenger, I was I was like okay yeah cool, and then I don't know he kind of had a he kind of had a, just a meh his he's his fine. I he's don't good. know he's yeah solid. he's 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 fine he's solid for what he was written for him I guess for D'Onofrio yeah. in the MCU uh <laughs> for D'Onofrio in the MCU D'Onofrio's yeah. in the MCU now so oh. uh yeah uh yeah yeah no Tommy Lee Jones MVP for this one uh yeah i honestly thought i would i was gonna like will smith um better for mvp but i was i was like "Mm, no i'm definitely going with tommy lee jones for this one without seeing any of their movies who do you want to win best actor benedict cumberbatch will smith or andrew garfield you can't you you have no knowledge of their movies you just have to go off the actor because you just said you like will smith but i know you like the other two too Make your choice, Tyler. No, no, I, I, I don't like Will Will Smith. Uh, uh, usually, I, I like him in this one because he actually has like charisma. Like okay, with this that's true. And yeah, he has charisma with this role, and uh, it's also like he plays well with others. Whereas, like anymore now, he's like. He doesn't want to take roles. What's some kind of suicide (laughs) squad? He doesn't doesn't want to take role. He doesn't take very many roles with like other bigger names. I always Um, think it's such, well, such a shame, but not really because Jamie Foxx is so good in it. 
But I always wonder what Django Unchained with Will Smith would have been like because he was the original choice. Was he the original Django? Well, he turned it down. You can Google it. There's a lot of... They're all very dumb reasons, in my opinion. But mm. who, who am I to say? I'm glad Jamie Foxx played the role anyway because I think Jamie Foxx is a better actor. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is with Will Smith, I I don't know. It's it's kind of he he's phone he phones it in a lot, but on this one he he didn't. Um, Did you see why'd that, you Tyler? bring up Benedict? Why'd you bring up? Because they're, they're the three what? front runners for the Oscar. Is it's Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, and uh, well, I'm not oh, joking. Will Those Smith. The- Will Smith got nominated for that tennis. He's going to movie. be. He's won the front runners. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. So so who are you rooting for? Those about are the YouTube ads. Those are the YouTube ads that I'm like. That's like the one that I would buy YouTube Premium just so I didn't have to watch it. Over get rid of King Richard. <laughs> yes, uh, I have to tell a friend of mine that because there's a friend of mine who also really hates King Richard. <laughs> like I, I just about and he I hasn't watched it either. He just thinks it looks terrible, like you do. <laughs> I, I just think like Will Smith's acting in it. It it does not seem honest. It doesn't seem it, genuine. It seems like he's. It feels stereotyping like stereotyping something, and you know, it feels very I Mandy just, Project. I would have yes. rather have um, I don't know if you know the actor, but Rob Morgan is who I said I would have. Or if we have to get a movie star, I would have gone with um, Sterling K. Brown for the role from uh, This Is Us, and also who plays Killmonger's dad in Black Panther. I know you've snapped. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know what you would know Rob Morgan from, but Rob Morgan is a really good actor. Um, he gotcha. was in Don't Look Up recently, which I don't really like, but he's good in it. He's in Iron Fist and in Jessica Jones and in Defenders and in The Punisher. Well, I'll see him in Defenders and Punisher because I'm not watching. I'm not watching any of the. Uh, well, if Turk Barrett shows up, that's what I'm talking ones. about. Okay, gotcha. Turk Barrett. Okay. Uh, yeah, and he's not in any other movie. I think you would have seen that I'm looking at it. But anyway, Rob Morgan, I think, should have played that role. But anyway, you have to answer the question because I posited to you. Just name one of those three actors that you want to have win an Oscar. Because it's probably not going to be Will. You have to answer. Garfield. I'll just give it to Garfield. My man. I've not seen his musical, but... Yeah. Well, we didn't know he could sing, so... the we guy We know the guy can act because he pulled an acting stunt for all of 2021. With every interview he was in, so I think uh, I'm I'm debating Spider-Man. at my. We'll get back to the uh, the wise awards, guys. Don't worry. But I'm debating for my own awards somewhere that I always post every year that I might give Andrew Garfield a special achievement for just like overall filmography because I really liked him in Tick Tick Boom. I think he's the best part of Spider Man No Way Home, and the other movie he did The Eyes of Tammy Faye, not great. Not not a great movie, but he's good in it. <laughs> you gotta have one stinker in there, but um, and then of course also, as we said, for his press interviews. <laughs> but anyway, um, favorite scene of Men in Black, not of Andrew Garfield's uh, career this year. <laughs> favorite scene of Andrew Garfield's career this year. Okay, um, no. My favorite scene of Men in Black is Agent K's first scene. Uh, I already talked about it. It's when he arrives on scene at the state trooper uh, vehicle stop. What about you? Uh, I think it's the scene where Will Smith takes the exam to join Men in Black. But very specifically, Mm -hmm. it's the moment where he's on the shooting range and he explains why he shot the eight-year-old girl. I always love that moment because even though I always remember it, the full explanation I just think is brilliant in just setting up the world and also setting up Will Smith's character and just how quickly he gets what he's got getting into. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think that would be when they're in the ex, in, in the exam room with the the eggshell in the coffee table. Yeah. Yes. That's a good I really too. I think yeah. that I think that scene if there was any improv in this film I think that would have been the moment that the director is like okay I'm giving you this to do I'm just gonna put the I'm putting you know camera I'm saying action I want you to just be uncomfortable doing this test and just improvise go yeah Uh, although I definitely think I'm grabbing the tables in the script like definitely yes definitely I I think but you can also do um, uh, I think we are the Millers did 
did this and a couple times like throughout Deadpool uh they say okay like this is this is point A and this is point B we need to get from point A to point B improvise to get there but you, you know hit these points along the way I oh, know sure. yeah, the yeah, Millers yeah. they did that you know well, but I would yeah. say modern comedy pretty much always does that unless it's like yeah. an Edgar Wright movie or something that's very tightly scripted um for a movie like this it obviously has to be a little lesser because they put mm-hmm. all the money in the effects, so you don't want to ruin the effects. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but anyway, worst scene. Uh, you want to go first, or should I go first? You you go first. This is my pressure. Anyway, um, so I couldn't think of a scene, so I'm gonna cheat a bit. But actually, I did think of a scene. But I want to explain something first that I didn't get into because I know I was gonna talk about it here. Uh, I think this movie has a flaw. It's that the women do not really have any good roles in this. Like, I don't think there's a single good female role in the film. <laughs> uh, no, the, um, no, there's not. The love interest exists solely to be a love interest. Uh, and the fact that they made a sequel where I haven't watched Men in Black 2 yet, but it feels very like Back to the Future. I'm just assuming. Maybe I'm wrong. But like, you know how in Back to the Future, Back to the Future it ends with like his girlfriend in the car. And then in Back to the Future 2, they're like, oh no, we wrote the girlfriend into the plot. We have to make her disappear. That's my gut feeling what's going to happen in Men in Black 2. <laughs> we'll see if it does. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Uh, I will say, I will say, Patrick Warburton is in Men in Black 2. Ooh, so, that is exciting. Yeah. I do like Patrick Warburton. Yep. Um, but again, not good female roles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is very true. Yeah. Uh, it just but, highlights your point. <laughs> uh, but I think the worst scene in this is actually because it's a bit and it's a joke and it's just not funny. Is where they just start like riffing on giving Edgar's wife a new backstory to move on. And I, I, I don't yeah. know. I just don't think it's funny. It kind of goes along this thing where like I think a lot of an issue with comedy that's just now really getting fixed like studio comedy is that the men get to be funny and the women get to be the killjoys or the women mm. get to just stand around. And that is literally just two guys joking from this girl who's standing there blankly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's pretty much the epitome of everything that's wrong with like um, sexism in studio comedies uh, mm-hmm. just on full display right there. So that's yeah. my pick for we're seeing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really good. Really good point. Um, my worst scene is um, has much less gravity to it. Um, it's a, the alien what? giving birth on the on the highway. I almost picked this uh, one too, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's a little, the CGI is a bit rough. <laughs> yeah, CGI CGI is pretty rough. Um, and quite honestly, the. I don't need to know where the tentacles are coming from. I, 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 I just, I don't know. I, I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't want to see this. This is not, <laughs> if I, back in 1997, people were like, oh, there's a, there's an alien movie coming out and, uh, it's, it's got Will Smith in it. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Independent state. No, I'm in black. And it's like, oh, all right. Uh, and then you go, you go see it and then this is this is the scene imagine like you left to go to the refill your drink or <laughs> buy something from the concessions or yeah go to the bathroom and then you come back and you just see will smith getting tossed around outside of you know what with uh, these tentacles just slamming him all over the place and then he lands down with this alien baby in his hands and just yeah i don't like i don't like the sound effects it's it's just i don't know i i don't pay attention to the actual plot points that are made in this in this part yeah it's kind of weirdly framed yeah i'm just kind of like i'm watching the weird crap that's happening in the background with with will smith yeah i'm not it's very distracting on the exposition Cause it's, yeah. it feels like pivotal exposition and it's not like, yeah, it's weird. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. What? Yeah. <laughs> I bet so. no, we're, we're done. Rewards. We're done rewards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's men in black. It's 25 years old. 
which makes sense. That one doesn't like, I'm not like, that doesn't seem so long ago. You know, like this definitely feels like an older movie, you know? Yeah. I still remember watching this. I still remember watching this on VHS. So, Oh, I I've only ever seen it on TV. Um, although I think I checked out a DVD once. I might have seen this before. I can't remember if I saw Men in Black 3 first or if I saw this one first, honestly. But anyway. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, I saw them all in order. I'll explain how I saw Men in Black 3 when we do our episode of Men in Black 3. Um, anyway. Anyway. Let's, let's thank somebody. Yeah, yeah, uh. We would like to thank Joe Schremer for editing this episode. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe. And now uh, for our right. outro. Nice talking to y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email. At why is with Ty Dan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at why is with Ty and one because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one. 